I'm so glad that you're here. You're listening to What the Fuck Did She Just Say? with your host, that's me, Sandra Priestley. I'm all about living our best life and finding our zone of brilliance and then removing the resistance so that we can go all in. I say random crazy shit, which is why I called this podcast the way that I did, and I really hate long, drawn-out intros, so let's fucking go. Years ago, I went to watch Oprah live. Now, this was a highlight for me because even though I was way, way back there, I mean, I needed to watch on the Jumbotron because I couldn't see her close enough, but it was such a highlight for me because I had literally grown up with Oprah. I always used to say, and I still do, that I was raised by my grandma, my mother, and Oprah Winfrey. Because every single day after school, I would come home, I would rush home, and I would watch the Oprah Winfrey show every day. We had two channels at that time, lived in the country. We had two two channels, five and eight. And I rushed off the bus so that I could watch the beginning of Oprah. And it was probably the very beginning of my obsession with personal development. I mean, every single day, I was so excited to see what was happening on the Oprah show. What were we going to learn today? One of those days, I happened to learn about feng shui. And it was like this mind-blowing, oh my gosh, Oprah uses this thing called feng shui. And I know I've experienced this because I knew that when I changed my environment, when I changed my room, I felt better. When we painted the kitchen cupboards, we felt better. When we wallpapered, we felt better. When we reorganized, we felt better. And it just made sense that our external world affected our internal world. And I mean, but that was just one thing, right? Like she would interview people that just, they're still the people that impact me today. Eckhart Tolle and the power of now. That book changed my life. And as a dyslexic person, it's rare that I read a book from cover to cover. In fact, I probably have only read maybe five. But that is one that I read. Also, The Four Agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz. Those are the those are my two faves. Those are my two faves. Um, there was another book they, that she had the author on, The Oprah Show. And the book was called The Gift of Fear. And it was really about listening to your intuition. And when you feel that fear, like there's your, it's your intuition talking to you. Um, and so, I mean, those were just a few of them. But I found the questions that she asked so damned inspiring. I loved the interview process itself. And so when I got the opportunity to go watch Oprah live, it was like, oh, I can't wait. Yes. I'm so excited. So we went, we sat in the nosebleeds. We watched her in her beautiful red dress on the jumbotron. I mean, I could see her, but I... It was a long ways away. We're in a hockey rink and um, an NHL hockey rink. And so as 
we were talking, there was a couple things that she said that were just so pivotal. And she was talking about her life. She talked about the whispers and the thread. And if you've listened to, to Oprah before, you'll talk, you'll know that she often says, like, if you, if you have an opportunity to listen to the whispers, you don't have to have, be able to hear the screams, right? Like just listening to those little tiny whispers as, um, as life goes on. But she also talks about the thread. It's like the thread of your life. And she talked about her life and she talked about how everything really, there was a, a go- like a golden thread that tied everything together to get her to the place where she was with the Oprah Winfrey show. And, and like continuing on now. And I was just so happy to be there. And then she started talking about like belief and identity. And I was right there with her. And one of the things that she said that I often quote still, I quote Oprah all the time, but one of the things she said is be careful with your words because what follows I am is what you become. And I still remember, she says it, she said it with this beautiful accent. It's like, I'm so tired. You know, the Oprah, how she speaks. I'm so tired. If you say repeatedly, I'm so tired, you become tired. You literally are affirming to the universe the damn thing you don't want. I'm so broke. I'm so tired. I'm so lazy. I'm so huge. I'm so stupid. I'm so unlovable. I'm so brilliant. Like, careful what you say after I am, because you can literally speak what you want into the world instead of what you don't want. And so I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking about in terms of the things that I am saying I am for. And we were talking about it in the Power Project, which if you're not in there, what the hell are you doing? You need to be in there. (laughs) The Power Project is my 365-day container. It's a quest, a journaling quest, a transformation quest, really. And I created this because it wasn't out there. I created this 365 day project because I knew that my, our subconscious thoughts, they say anyway, I don't know how they can prove this, but our subconscious thoughts are in control of our behaviors. 95% of our of the time. So if we want to change our behaviors, if we want to remove the resistance, if we want to be able to take risks, if we want to be able to say other things to ourselves, we want to be able to affirm different things. If we want to change our lives, we have to reprogram our subconscious mind. And how can we reprogram it if we don't know what the fuck is going on back there? It's in our subconscious. We don't always know. But journaling is the way to access it. And so I created this project and I needed it to be 365 days because I knew, I knew that I could 
be on my own for, let's say, 20 days. But I wanted a quest that really challenged me. And I wanted to see really what would 365 days do? I mean, the so much like we've been doing this now for since January and, you know, it's end of February as I'm recording this. So in two months already, my life feels like it's changed. So much has changed. I have literally taken steps and and taken risks, but I've started on doing things that I have resisted doing forever. Like things that I thought I really should do that, but I just felt resistance for, all of a sudden I was inspired to do it. And was I really working on it? No, it seems like it's just a complete fucking byproduct of the journaling that I'm doing every day. Even if journaling is just gratitude, even if journaling is just me starting out with a pen and paper and starting to write out, I have no idea what the fuck I'm going to write today. But here I am, I'm showing the fuck up and good for me. And so my goal in this power project is really just make women think differently and journal their way through it and see what things we can uncover in our lives, see how we can transform our lives. And I started thinking about identity. I started thinking about the I am statement of Oprah. And I really thought about how we say so much to ourselves. Sometimes it becomes something that we own in the negative. And I'll give you an example. When my kids were younger, particularly with my son, um, I knew when he was in kindergarten, I knew I could see that he was reversing his B's and D's. He was reversing his P's and Q's. He was reversing his, like he was interchanging E's, capital E's and threes. Um, He, I have the cutest little picture and he had drawn this picture of an ant, but the word ant was completely reversed. It started with the T. And when I first left university, I started working with a woman who she had her PhD. She was a diagnostician and um, she had her own clinic for learning disabled children and adults. And it was then when she had, she had asked me uh, a few questions and she just said, oh my gosh, have you ever been tested? Because you're so dyslexic. Like, let's go through this. I had no idea. I knew that I hated reading. I didn't really know why. I mean, I can read. I just don't love to do it. It's not something that I love to do. I don't find it relaxing. It's not fucking relaxing. In fact, it is annoying. The words move on the paper for me. um, And when I'm focusing on every single word, um, sometimes I miss words. Sometimes they're jumbled up when I'm speaking. Sometimes um, I will say things backwards. And the worst case scenario for me is if I'm standing up in front of a big, huge auditorium of people and I have to read something. That is like the worst stress. I stood up for when I was still with my multi-level marketing company. I stood up and I spoke and I didn't have one word written down, not one, no cue cards, no speech written out. I had a fucking microphone and an idea of what I wanted to say. And I rocked that speech. Why? Because I wasn't reading it. If you gave that, was 
standing up with nothing prepared was so much easier for me than standing up with something written down for me to read. When I was in in elementary school, I remember we would be asked to read like, um, like one after the other, a paragraph at a time. And I would plan it out. I would panic a little bit and plan it out. And if I was, let's say, sixth in line, I would kind of calculate, okay, the first person wrote, read the first paragraph, the second wrote the second, and I would be reading my paragraph in advance so that I knew that I had it right. And if the teacher said, okay, you know what, Sandra's going to read paragraph five instead, I would lose it because I was so stressed that I was going to make a mistake because I knew I probably was going to. And also a teacher once laughed at me for making a mistake. So, you know, there's that anyway. But one of the things is that, so I was, I had already worked in this, in this um, environment. I knew what to look for. I had spoken with all the parents. I had spoken with the parents who were crying saying, I don't know what to do with my, for my kid. I don't know how to help him. And I had experienced all of those testing. So when it came to me recognizing that my son was also dyslexic, as is my daughter, by the way, I was so scared of getting him formally tested because I didn't want it to become his identity. I didn't want for any teacher, now keeping in mind, I have seen some awful things. Not all teachers are like this, but wow. (laughs) Um, And so I didn't want I didn't want him to discard himself and have it be his identity. I'm dyslexic. I can't. I didn't want teachers to say, oh, he's dyslexic, so he can't. And I refused to have it be his identity. And instead, you know, um, he probably worked harder than, than he needed to because he could have had accommodations had I just let that shit go and chose to fight against the identity, to fight against the stereotypes and all of those things. And it worked out the way it worked out and it it still worked out beautifully. And I also, to this day, I make dyslexia part of my identity, but I I choose it to be a space of growth. I choose it to be something to be proud of because I see it as neurodivergence and I see it as I literally can't think inside the fucking box. I have to think outside the box. It's my fucking gift to think outside the box. It is absolutely the thing that makes me so unique. And P.S. I also read one time that being neurodivergent also is has a great high concordance rate with being intuitive and being psychic and has psychic gifts. So guess what? Super special. And I'm proud to own that. But years ago, I probably wasn't. Years ago, I don't know that I could have. Years ago, I would have played small because of it. 
Then later, later in years, when I was working, I was working as a parole officer, I was working as a case manager, and I continually saw this people coming to me that I was working with that would hold an identity that held them back. I heard so many times, but Priestley, my dad's an alcoholic, my mom's an alcoholic, my parents were drug abusers. I have no option but to be. That was an identity, a false, I I mean, it was an identity that they chose to, to explain their criminality. It was an identity that kept them stuck. It was an identity that stopped them from being able to benefit from programming. It was an identity that stopped them from really reintegrating post-prison. Then later, when I was working in my other government department, I saw this happen as well because we were working in the health industry, whether it was mental health or physical health. And I so often would see people come to me and say, but I have the worst case of this. I have the worst case of obsessive compulsive disorder that the, that the therapist, that the psychologist, that the psychiatrist have ever seen. The worst case ever. And I had a conversation one day with, it was a team of people with, and we were talking about this person who had OCD. And I was hearing that repeatedly from the uh, professionals. I was hearing, well, this is the worst case I've ever seen. This is the worst case we've ever seen. And my response is, what the problem we've got now is that this person also believes that It is the worst case ever. And they have now made themselves special because of the worst case scenario. It becomes so difficult when you're stuck in this bubble of, I can't move forward because it's the worst case scenario. If it's me, I'm going to tell you the same exact thing. Well, it's difficult to lose weight because I'm in perimenopause. It's difficult for me to lose weight because I've done this, 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 and this, and it's not going to work. Chronic stress is holding me back. The doctors don't know what to do. You know, we can own our identities that keep us stuck. I would encourage you to take a look at what identities you have. What do you say after I am? And do you have a fixed mindset that has made you special because of this thing? And are you willing to let it go? Are you willing to reprogram it? Are you willing to even just stop saying I am this? I'm the worst case of this. This is who I am. Are you willing to step out of the identity that you've created and tell a different fucking story? What if you were able to own 
I am progressing. I am moving forward. I am healing. I am brilliant. I am wonderful. I am lovable. I am evolving every fucking day. Can that be your identity? Can your identity be progress and growth and evolution over a lifetime, as Melanie and Lair says? Can your identity be the person who is so damn involved in transformation? And that's it. Can your identity be the person who says, I am manifestation of everything that I desire? Can you do that? Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've had some laughs, maybe some ideas, and that you've been inspired to take some type of action toward the life you've always dreamed of. If you feel so called, I would love it if you would share with your besties and leave a review down below. I look forward to bringing you along on this journey and I will see you in the next episode.